Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, Woe is Me Now. It shall be focused on a study of Jeremiah chapter 4. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, as we read this scripture and hearing of the judgments, Lord, that You were bringing upon the Israelites for forsaking You. We pray, Father, knowing that the world is facing judgments like it's never seen before. You say, the day, the day shall come that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud and though the wicked shall be stubble, said the Lord of hosts, and you shall burn them and leave neither root nor branch. But we thank thee, Father, that you sent us a way, an ark, a protection to help us escape that day of judgment. And help us, Father, to accept the ministry that you've sent for our day as preparation for us, much like you sent Noah with a message to prepare the people for the destruction that was coming. Help us, Father, to, as this as we hear this, the scripture saying, For behold, the bridegroom cometh, and the bride hath made herself ready. So help us to become ready by listening to the tapes, reading your word. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah 4 If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me. And if thou wilt put away thine abominations out of my sight, then shalt thou not remove. And thou shalt swear, The Lord liveth in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. And the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart, ye men of Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire, and burn that none can quench it, because of the evil of your doings. Declare ye in Judah, and publish in Jerusalem, and say, Blow ye the trumpet in the land, cry, gather together, and say, Assemble yourselves, and let us go into the defensed cities. Set up the standard toward Zion, retire, stay not, for I will bring evil from the north and a great destruction. The lion is come up from his thicket, and the destroyer of the Gentiles is on his way. He is gone forth from his place to make thy land desolate, and thy cities shall be laid waste without an inhabitant. For this gird you with sackcloth, lament and howl, for the fierce anger of the Lord is not turned back from us. And it shall come to pass at that day, saith the Lord, that the heart of the king shall perish, and the heart of the princes and the priests shall be astonished, and the prophets shall wonder. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, surely thou hast greatly deceived this people and Jerusalem, saying, Ye shall have peace, whereas the sword reacheth unto the soul. At that time shall it be said to this people and to Jerusalem, a dry wind of the high places in the wilderness toward the daughter of my people, not to fan, nor to cleanse. Even a full wind from those places shall come into me. Now also will I give sentence against them. Behold, he shall come up as clouds, 
and his chariots shall be as a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe unto us, for we are spoiled. O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness, that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? For a voice declareth from Dan, and publisheth affliction from Mount Ephraim. Make ye mention to the nations, Behold, publish against Jerusalem that watchers come from a far country, and give out their voice against the cities of Judah. As keepers of a field, are they against her round about, because she hath been rebellious against me, saith the Lord? Thy way and thy doings have procured these things unto thee. This is thy wickedness, because it is bitter, because it reacheth unto thine heart. My bowels, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace, because thou hast heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is spoiled. Suddenly are my tents spoiled and my curtains in a moment. How long shall I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? For my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are sottish children, and they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void in the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens were fled. I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord, and by his fierce anger. For thus hath the Lord said, The whole land shall be desolate, yet will I not make a full end. For this shall the earth mourn, and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken it. I have purposed it, and will not repent, neither will I turn back from it. The whole city shall flee for the noise of the horsemen and bowmen. They shall go into thickets and climb up upon the rocks. Every city shall be forsaken, and not a man dwell therein. And when thou art spoiled, what wilt thou do? Though thou clothest thyself with crimson, though thou deckest thee with ornaments of gold, Though thou rentest thy face with painting, in vain shalt thou make thyself fair. Thy lovers will despise thee, they will seek thy life. For I have heard a voice as of a woman in travail, and the anguish as of her that bringeth forth her first child, the voice of the daughter of Zion that bewaileth herself, that spreadeth her hands, saying, Woe is me now, for my soul is wearied because of murderers. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Things That Are To Be. This was preached in 1965 on December the 5th. We'll begin at paragraph 55. I trust you find it to be a blessing. Now, in this world that we live in, this education, I want to prove to you. Education, science, civilization, and all these things that we are seemingly so enjoy today is of Satan and will perish. You say, Brother Branham, 
Civilization? Yes, sir. This civilization come by Satan. Genesis 4 proves it. Cain's son. See? Started their civilization building cities and organs and so forth. And civilization came by knowledge. Knowledge is what the devil sold Eve in the Garden of Eden to cause her to transgress God's commandment. So there will be a civilization in the world that we're going to, but it won't be this kind of a civilization. For in this civilization, we have sickness, sorrow, lust, death, everything in this civilization wrong. But in that civilization, there will be none of these things. We won't need science. Science is a perversion of the original anyhow. See, you split a molecule to split the atoms and do so and so to blow you up. You take gunpowder, bang this to kill something. You take the car and take gasoline out of the earth and the materials out of the earth to loosen up the fibers so it can blow up and go down the road at 90 miles an hour and kill somebody. See? Oh, so nervous, squeezing, hurry up, we got to push and take and, oh, see, it's all of the devil. The kingdom of God will not have automobiles, airplanes, or any scientific achievements. No, it won't have any education at all. It'll be an education so supreme to this that this won't even be thought of. See, education, civilization, and all this comes from Satan. Now, do you say, Brother Bram, why do you read that? See, just like what I wear clothes now. In the civilization it was to come, it was first, they didn't need any clothes. They were veiled. They had no reason to wear clothes because they didn't know they were naked. Now you, now you find out that in now, then that we know that we are, 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 are naked, sin abides here, then we've got to wear clothes. But it wasn't so at the beginning. There was no sin. Now, the same thing is in the way of civilization. Altogether, we read, we write, we do this, but don't never get adjusted to that. Don't never make that your God, for that is a God of communism. It's not of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is by faith. Not what you can scientifically prove, but what you believe. I can't scientifically prove you tonight in this building that there is a God, but yet I know He's here, but by my faith vindicates it. Abraham could not scientifically prove you that he's going to have a baby of that woman heard nearly a hundred years old. But his faith confirmed it, see. Didn't need any scientific proof while the, while the doctor would say the old man's crazy. Out here saying he's going to have a, a baby with that woman, him a hundred years old, her ninety. But you see, God said so, so it don't take science. It takes faith to believe God's word, not science. So our schools and things are a blow up. God never said go forth and make schools or even have Bible schools. Do you know that? He said, preach the word. Amen. That's exactly right. Our educational systems take us farther away from God than anything I know of. That's right. Farther away from God. Not build schools, hospitals, and so forth. That was for the world and for that group. But I ain't got nothing against them. They play their parts. But that still's not that. We build a hospital ever so good and practice with the best medicine we got, and thousands die in it daily. But oh, my, in the kingdom of God, there is no death. There is no sorrow. Amen. There's no need of these things of the world. But we pass from this thing into the realities of God where we struggle so hard to try to find through science. And more scientific we get, more death we bring on ourselves. We're fighting a losing battle there. So turn loose of it and by faith believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and accept Him. He is one. What's science preparing for you? More death. That's right. Sputniks and everything going up, all these things to scatter death and everything across the earth. Don't look to that. Turn your head higher than that towards heaven. Look towards 
Jesus sits on the right hand of God tonight, ever living to make intercessions on our confession of what we believe His Word to be the truth. Now, we find this life holds all kinds of evils. So therefore, the life that is to come won't have it. This one has lust and sickness, death, because what is it? It's not the house that he's gone to prepare. This is a pest house. How many knows what a pest house is? Sure. Well, that's what you're living in. A pest house is where they put all the diseased people. Well, that's just what sin done to us, put us in an earthly pest house. Where they wouldn't let anyone else come in the pest house because there's all kinds of germs flying around in there and, and the people will take these germs and, and be sick themselves. And sin brought us into the devil's pest house. Oh, but the other one is called my father's house. I'll go and prepare a place for you. Take you out of this pest house and deliver you into my father's house. Amen. There you are. Take you out of this old earthly pest house. He's gone to prepare a place, a perfect place, where no evil exists, no sickness exists, no old age exists, no death exists. It's a perfect place calling you to that perfection. And you had to be perfect to get there. The Bible said so. Jesus said, Be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And it's a perfect kingdom, so it must be a perfect people come, because you have to stand and be married to a perfect Son of God, and you must be a perfect bride. So how can you do it through anything else but the perfect Word of God, which is the waters of separation that washes us from our sins? That's right. The blood of Jesus Christ. Think of it. The dripping, bloody word. Amen. The blood, the, the word of God, bleeding blood to wash the bride in. Amen. Yes, sir. She stands perfect, virgin, unadulterated. She never sinned in the first place. Amen. She was trapped into it. There's the father's house that he's gone to prepare. This one come by sex and from the fall and must fall with the fall. No matter how much you patch the old thing up, she's going to fall anyhow. She's done because she's doomed because God said so. She's finished. God is going to destroy it. He said so. There will be a renovation of the whole thing. You believe that? In the beginning when the world had its birth, when God pulled back the water first off the earth like he did the water from the mother's womb, there was a world born. Yes, and peoples begin to live on it when God put them on there. And then they begin to sin, and it was baptized by immersing in the days of Noah. Then it was sanctified by the blood of the Creator dropping up on it. And now that's the way you come, through justification to believe God. You were baptized uh, unto repentance or to, for the remission of your sins. You confessed your sins before God. And he forgave you for it. And he was baptized to show that you had been, you had been forgiven. Confessing to the people and showing to the world that you believe that Jesus Christ died for you. And you, he took your place and now you stand in his place. He become you that you might become him. Amen. Then the sanctifying power of God cleansed all the habits out of your life. You used to smoke, drink, do things that wasn't right, tell lies. Everything then, the sanctifying power of the blood of Jesus Christ comes into your life. It takes all the things away from you. If you happen to say something's not wrong, quickly say, wait a minute, pardon me. I didn't mean to say it like that. See, the devil got a trap sitting there, but you've got grace to come back if you're a real Christian. Say, I was wrong. Yes. So therefore, now the, 
Now the next thing you receive was the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Now God, when this millennium is over, God's going to give the world a baptism of fire. It's going to blow the whole thing up. The heavens and earth will be on fire. Peter said so. And the thing will have a baptism of fire, a renovation of the whole thing, and then there will be a new heavens and a new earth. That's when word dwelleth righteousness. That's where we are. We have become from mortal beings, from time beings to eternal beings. When the word of God lit our souls and we become sons and daughters of God with the attributes, the chain of God in us to be sons and daughters of the Father God in heaven. Crying, Abba, Father, my God, my God, my Father's house. Now, this whole world must fall because it come through sex and it come through disobedience in the beginning. And we was born here through sex, through the fall, and it must go right back the same way to the fall. But the one he is now preparing for you cannot fall because he is making it so. I've gone. What if we just had to stay in this kind of body? Aren't you glad there's such a thing as death? Now, isn't that strange? But now say, for instance, a few years ago, I was a little boy. And now I'm a middle-aged man. I've got a friend sitting right there, Mr. Dow. And he's 93 years old. A few days ago. Look at him now. 40 or 45 more years, that would be me. Now I put another 40 years on him. Where would you go? The only I'm glad that there's something to get us out of this pest house. There's an open door and it's called death. Jesus stands in that door. Amen. He'll guide me over the river. He'll take me through that door. There's a great door standing out there called death. And every time your heart beats, you're one beat closer to it. Someday I must come to that door. You must come there. But when I come there, I don't want to be a coward. I don't want to scream and back off. I want to come to that door, wrap myself in the robes of his righteousness. Not mine, his. By this I know that I know him in the power of his resurrection. That when he calls, I'll come out from among the dead to be with him out of this past house. Wherever this body might fall and wherever it might land, whatever it is, I'll come out someday because he promised it to me. And we believe it. Yes, sir, he's making one that cannot fall. Notice how the expecting mother on earth today, how the mother's body craves for certain things. I'm speaking, I guess, to hope to all the adults will understand. The mother in the birth of the baby, if there's something lacking in her body, she begins to crave certain things. Look how dad, I remember we was raised such a poor family. And, uh, and we didn't have hardly anything to eat when we were kids. Many of you suffered that same thing. So how that when, uh, before the babies would be born, mother would crave something and dad would just pinch corners everything to get it for. See, it's her, the body, her body, the calcium and so forth of her body and the vitamins that she needs, uh, Juni is being made up. See, and it craves for things, foods for the coming child and how the parents, they try to get it so that baby will be born as perfectly and happy as possible. See how your parents will do that? When there's something needed, the mother gives witness of it. See, her system is made up. You understand? That how that when there's something needed here to the oncoming child, the, uh, the mother begins to crave for that. Now, stop this a minute. Why do we have revivals? Why do we sim ourselves together? Why am I always rebuking the people? Why am I calling you Pentecostal women? Quit wearing paints, makeup, and bobbing your hair and stuff like that. 
Why am I saying that? Because the old-fashioned way of Pentecost used to not do that. The real Bible way is not to do that. You're wearing these shorts and clothes that pertains to man. Amen. Do you know the Bible says that that's an abomination to God? Amen. But we permit it. Why does the Holy Spirit keep crying out? Knows there's something like in there. Amen. We must be in the full statue of Jesus Christ. Amen. We must be sons and daughters of God. We must act like God's children. Amen. Long ago, a little story was told. Uh, I noticed uh, one colored brother sitting in the back. In the South, he used to sell slaves. And they, when they had slaves down there, when slavery was before the emancipation of the proclamation, and they would go by and buy them, and people just like they would a, a used car dealer. They had a bill of sales to sold them human beings just like they were they were used cars. You got a bill of sales with them. One time a buyer come by uh, a broker and he's going to he'd go around these big plantations and buy slaves. And he come to a certain big plantation where they had many slaves and he uh, wanted to see how many they had. And there's all of them out there working and they, they were sad. They were away from home. They was from Africa. They brought them over here. The Boers had brought them over and sold them for slaves. And uh so uh, they were sad. They know they never go back home again. They live and die in the land. And they had, many times they care of whips and whip them. They were property of the owner. And he did with it what he wanted to. And he just, if he killed it, he killed it. And if he, whatever it was, he just did it. That's slavery, like Israel was. And many of the nations have been brought into slavery. And um, they'd have to take that poor slaves. They just slurred. They were crying and all time and sad. But they noticed one of them slaves, young fella, he said his chest stuck out, his head up like that. He never had to whip him. He never had to tell him what to do. So that broker said, I want to buy that slave. He said, he's not for sale. He said, uh, I would like to buy him. He said, no, he's not for sale. He said, is he the boss of the rest of them? He said, no. He said, he's not the boss, he's slave. He said, well, maybe you feed him different than you feed the rest of them. He said, no, they all eat out in a galley together. He said, what makes that boy so much different than the rest of them? He said, here's one thing. I wanted it for a while, too. But that boy, an alien from Africa. But in Africa, his father is a king of the tribe. And yet he's an alien away from home. He conducts himself as a king's son. He knows that across the land that his father is the king of the tribe. And now he conducts himself because he knows he's the son of a king. Oh, brother, sister, you and I in this world that we live, let's conduct ourselves as sons and daughters of God. We're aliens here, but our behavior ought to be according to the commandments of God, that we are sons and daughters of God. Our behavior, we should act and do in everything according to what the laws that God laid down. And it's an abomination for a woman to wear a garment that pertains to a man. It's wrong and sinful for her to cut her hair. The Bible said so. Uncommon thing for her to even pray. You say, what about this? Someone got asked me, a great noted minister not long ago, said, Brother Bram, come on and lay hands on you. Said, you're going to ruin your ministry. I said, what? Said, bawling them people out like that. I said, I'm telling the, I said, I believe that. So I'm a Pentecostal too. I believe that women shouldn't wear short hair, shouldn't wear pants and these things like that, the way they do it, paint their faces up. Said, they shouldn't do that. But said, God called you to pray for the sick. I said, he called me to preach the gospel. Amen. And he said, I believe in that. But said, you think I, I said, yes, look what you got. All these big programs, televisions and everything else. I ain't got nothing but God to answer to. Amen. That's right. I said, I don't have nothing but God to answer to. 
He said, I, 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 you're going to ruin your ministry. I said, any ministry that the Word of God will ruin ought to be ruined. That's right. Certainly. I said, exactly. He said, well, you're going to ruin it. I said, who's going to tell it then? Somebody's got to say it. Somebody's got to stand for that what's truth, no matter what it hurts. And friends, as Christians, as people that believe we're going to heaven, the Holy Spirit itself will type us in the Word of God. He said, you know what you ought to do? said, people believe you to be a prophet. said, you ought to be teaching these women how to get gifts of prophecy and things like that. And great higher things instead of little things. I said, how am I going to teach them algebra when they won't even learn their ABC? <laughs> when they won't even do the common thing. The natural thing. How are you going to tell them high things when you won't even start from the... You want to get on top of the ladder before you hit the first... That's the reason you follow. See? Begin at the bottom and climb right on up as God leads you up. See? Cope your life with every, bottle, every bit of the word that God has ordained for you to, to do. Now, think how that God, we should behave ourselves and act like Christians. Our conduct should be like Christians because we are aliens here. This is not our home. No, we were just put here temporarily. We've got to go, every one of us. Not. Now, think if God, in his mercy, has the mother... Before the little baby's born, it's a craving for some vitamin, and the mother's word speaks forth, uh, Dad, I, I, I want cantaloupe or watermelon. I want something other that's out of... Well, he'll do everything he can to get that because he knows that he wants his child born as perfect as it can be. And he'll do everything that he's able to do to get it. How much more able is he to get it? He's a creator. Now think how able he is to prepare us a body to live like his own glorious body. If we want to live, there's something in us calls to live. And there's something in us that calls to do right. Then God will call somebody on the platform or the pulpit that will preach the absolute truth. Why? See, it shows you that if you're a real child of God, you'll be in a crowd. God, take it away from me. Circumcise me from this. Take these things away from me. Why? It's needed for your heavenly home that you're going to where he's gone to prepare. You've got to be a real word bride of Christ. I was preaching a few nights ago on the sacrifice. In the days of the atonement, I was preaching on the only place that God, the only church that God will meet a man in. And that's in, he said, the place that he put his name. He said, I won't meet them in any other place but the place, the gate that I put my name in. Now, he won't meet you in the Methodist gate, Baptist gate, or Pentecostal gate, or any of them, but he put his name in his son. Amen. He said, I came in my father's name. Any man comes, in, any child comes in his father's name. He, I come in the name of a Branham because my father was a Branham. And you come in your name because that was your father's name. And Jesus, the son, came in the father's name. And he said he put his name in this gate that I put my name in. That was a sacrifice. And in Jesus Christ is the only place that you'll ever find fellowship and worship to God. Amen. You say, well, I belong to the church. I don't make one thing different. You've got to be in Christ. Amen. A certain denominational minister of the night said to me, he said, Mr. Branham, look here. Jesus said, whosoever believeth. The Bible said, whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is born of the Spirit of God. And I said, don't the Bible also say that no man can call Jesus the Christ only by the Holy Ghost? Amen. See? You can't make the Bible lie. It's got to hook right in. So you have to become absolutely born again of the Holy Spirit in you that witness out yourself you know that He is the That's Son of God. 
And then if you are in a part, if you are a child of God, in the Word of God, how can you deny the Word? How can the Holy Spirit make you believe a creed that you have to do something like this when the Bible said something else? We have to join a church and do this or do that when the Bible plainly tells you what to do. And then when you see that, then you jump right into it and you're right with it. And you just keep moving right on up. And this grows like a, a, a germ coming into the womb of a woman with the egg. And then when that little egg begins to develop and begins to spread forth germs, they don't put one human germ, the dog germ, the cow germ. It puts all human germ. And when a child of God, when that predestinated, that's a bad word to use, but it's the God, it's God's Bible. The foreknowledge of God can predestinate, make everything work to his honor. When that predestinated seed that you was to be, and God calls you, and that little eagle of a seed in there heard the word of God, it will build on top one word, on top of the other, and on top of the other, and on top of the other, and it will not mix with any creed. Notice, in these gates, every day they should eat new kosher, and there would be no leaven found among them through the seven days. Is that right? The seven church ages in. No unleavened, no creed, no nothing added. It has to be absolutely uh, unleavened bread. No leaven shall be found among you at all. Just the leaven, the word itself. That's the only, that word is God, and God was made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, which that is the gate. There's a gate I meet you in to worship when you follow the commandments of God. Therefore, if you've denied, just come and say, I offer Jesus Christ my life. And you've never received the Holy Ghost, come into it. You must do it. You must grow into it. Ask God to pile a word on top of a word like that until you become the full statue of a son of God or a daughter of God. Taking the things of the world. First John says, if you love the world or the things of the world, it's because the love of God's not even in you. You've been deceived. You've got the love of the world there, and it's deceived you. The devil has but piling things onto there and showing, see, you can't, well, you cannot take one word of God out of the Bible. Amen. What caused the first sin? Not by just a big pine blank line, but because Eve misconstrued, the devil did to her, one word. Amen. One word broke the chain. And we refused to take one word. That was the beginning of the Bible. Jesus came in the center of the Bible. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's the entire word of God. you believe that's a revelation of him? The entire word of God. Then in Revelations 22, Jesus came to John on the Isle of Patmos. And Jesus, I, Jesus, has sent my angel to testify of these things. See, whosoever shall take one word out of this or add one word to it, I'll take his part from the book of life. Not to say, well, I, I believe Jesus Christ, Son of God. That's all right. Then add the rest of it to it. You say, I've been justified. I give my hand to the minister. I believe in Jesus Christ. Then you've got to be born again. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. Just keep adding on as you keep on going. You're growing into the statue of a son and daughter of God. My God able to prepare us and to give the, to us that crave in our life that we want to see something. How many in here wants more of God? That's why it goes to show there's more for you. See, you're craving it. Your little birth pains are coming on. See, you need more. So that we can be happy and free and perfect. We got to be. Like the, the, the little germ of life being the, in the bosom of God, just like the germ of life is in the, bo- in the bosom of the mother. God's growing and going gone to prepare the place for us. The eternal place with himself, not a place where there's a pest house, a dying, 
sin, adultery, and filth of the world here, if your mind's on that, it shows it never has come in contact with God. You're worked up. you got a mental illusion. You're just joining church and say, well, I belong to this. My mother belonged to that. That might have been all right in your mother's day, but we're living in another day. Wesley's message would have never, he just couldn't take Luther. Luther believed in justification, but Wesley had sanctification. The Pentecostals come along, they couldn't take just justification, sanctification. They, it was time for the restoration of the gifts. Amen. Now we're going from that. Amen. See, the three stages of the, the vine coming up. The first, it's a little blade, Luther, come up from the Reformation. All right, that was the stall. Watch nature. God and nature works in continuity because God is in nature. The next come the tassel, the pollen, the Methodist age. Then come the Pentecostal. Oh my, just so perfect. See? Just like that grain of wheat looks like it's perfect wheat, grain of wheat. Open it up. There's no wheat there at all. It's a ship, a carrier of it. But that life is working on through. See? Then back there in the Luther age, except Luther, that life come through, but it went and denominated out. The first thing you know, it just becomes denominational. Whose end is to be burned. The stalk dries up. It's just a carrier. Some of them still try to stay in that old carrier stalk. Know nothing about God. They, they say, well, look, we're a leaf. We was a Luther. That's right. But look where it's at now. We were a Methodist. And even we were a Pentecostal. But look at Pentecostal, how cold and farm it's getting. How everybody walking away. See, what is it? It was a carrier of the real seed. See, all these others were carried, but went denomination. If you say, I'm Pentecost, that don't mean no more to God than if you said you was a Roman Catholic or a Jew or whatever you might be. You've got to be born. That life that comes through that carrier there. Don't stay in the stalk. Don't stay in the seed. Go right on out to the perfect part. Now, remember, and every reformation we've had on all those Lutherans and so forth, in three years, they organized. That's right. Every revival brought an organization in three years. Think how long it's been going on. Twenty-something years and no organization. Why? It's the seed coming forming. Under the husk like this. Laying out, now it's got to lay in the presence of the sun to ripen into the glorious green, like the one that went into the first, the real church that went down first, is coming right back up to the stalk to come out another church. When the combine comes to pick it up, the life that went down in Luther, the life that went out in the Methodist, the life that went out in the Pentecostal will come into the grain. It'll all go right into the grain and go out, forming the perfect body of Jesus Christ. Just like the sun comes up a more, you can't look at no nature unless it testifies of God. You don't need even the Bible to know there's a God. The little son born, a little weak baby. About 7 o'clock, goes, starts off to school. 10 or 11 o'clock, it's out. 12 o'clock, it's in his strength. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's getting old. Seven or eight, six, 5 or 6 o'clock in the afternoon, she's getting stooped shoulder. It dies. Is that the end of it? No. It resurrects again the next morning. Life, death, burial, resurrection. Look at the leaves come on the trees. It comes up a good fine leaf, brings out shade, puts out its fruit. The next first thing you know, autumn comes, strikes a death. Runs right down into the root, into the ground again. Is that the end of it? Next spring, she comes right back again to testify. Oh, that's perpetual life. But, brother, sister, we got eternal life. Amen. We got eternal life through this great one who came. That's gone, is able to prepare us a body. And these growing pains we feel, like you women feel condemned for what you do. You man, it hangs on to seminary doctrines and so forth. You all want to say, I, I recite this creed, I do this. But there's something right down here. We see the eyes of the blind open, the deaf understand. Blind, all these things is promised. See the word preached in its power. See a prostitute off the street made a lady. See a see a drunkard come out of there and be a real saint of God. Ah, see, there's something life in there. And you begin to feel, well, maybe I oughtn't to do that. But see what it is? It's something your body honors a need. Come on. God's got the body which I didn't care for every bit of that body. 
Jesus is going to prepare the place in the bosom of God. Yes, sir. A little germ, son of God, little son or daughter of God. Jesus only asked for one thing in his prayer to the Father. You know what that was? One thing after all this sacrifice that he did here on earth, the life that he lived, the path that he walked, he asked for one thing. That where I am, they may be also. He asked for our fellowship. That's the only thing he asked the Father in the prayer. Your companionship forever. If you want to read this in St. John 17 and 24th verse. Then how much should we desire him? If he desires... Now listen. If you really are born of the Spirit of God, that means everything to you. See? It ain't some book of rules. You don't live any laws and so forth. You live by the grace of God, the Spirit of God. I've often said this. As a missionary, I'd be going overseas. What if I brought my wife and my children... Now, look at here, children. Listen here, Miss Branham. I am your husband. I shall not have any other husbands while I'm gone. If you do, I'll skin you when I get back home. Stomp my foot. Children, you hear what I say? Yeah, yes, Papa. Yes, Papa. You let me hear of one transgression. See? Wouldn't that be at home now? Why, she say, now are you through, sir? Now I want to tell you something. Mr. Branham, I am your lawful wedded wife. Thou shalt not have any other girlfriends while you're gone either. Now, wouldn't that be a home? Oh, that would be something. We don't do that. I love her. She loves me. When she knows I'm going, she knows I don't go unless the Lord calls me to go. We get down on the floor and get the children around. We pray. I said, dear God, take care of my little companion, my children. They say, God, take care of daddy while we're gone, while he's gone. And then when we go over, now what if I did do something wrong over there? What if I did transgress, do something wrong? And I come back and went to that poor little wife of mine, stood there and looked at her face wrinkling and her hair turning gray. I walked up and said, honey, I want to tell you something. You know I love you. Sure, Bill, I know you love me. i tell you what I did. I took some girl home. I, I said, will you forgive me for it? I believe she would. I really do. But would I do that? When I look, stand there and see them hairs turning gray, and know she stood between me and the public. And I know what a real wife she's been. Could I do that? I, I'd rather die than hurt her. I would. And if that in filial love to my wife, how much greater is my agapo love to God? Amen. Oh, I wouldn't do nothing to hurt him. Certainly not. I, I love him. I want to do everything that he, he wants me to do. I want to cope with every word that he said. No matter what the world says, they, they ain't going to believe it anyhow. I want to know what he said for me to do. And if I like something, I want him to give it to me and live for him, keeping ourselves from the world. This old earthly body here has got to, it's a, let me tell you, this earthly body that you think so much of, that you pattern after Hollywood, you're so close to it, it won't be there much longer. You remember, you've heard the prophecy, see, the Lord gave me, it's going under something. Yes, sir. Notice it will. You just want Now. Never told me nothing wrong yet. I'll take that to anybody who wants to say. I don't know when or where, but she's done. Judgment hangs over it. There's no redemption for it. It's past. Now, notice this. Live for him, keeping ourselves from the world. Now, look. You look on television, some of you sisters, and you go down here, and you want you young women. You're young, I know that. But you're Christians. See? You're different. You don't want to be like the world. You love the world. Not only you young ones, some of you older ones. See? Well, what does that? See, you watch television, you go down to the store, 
You see these little old clothes that women wear that's ungodly? Do you know what's going to happen at the Day of Judgment? You might be just as virtuous to your husband as you can be, but in the Day of Judgment, you're going to have to answer for committing adultery. Jesus said, Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Who's to blame? You. You presented yourself. I'm shorts and slacks. Some woman said to me not long ago, said, I don't wear shorts, Brother Bram. I thank the Lord for that. I wear slacks. I said, that's worse. That's worse. That's right. You can't even buy a dress hardly for a woman. She said, one woman said, well, you said the truth. You can't, you can't buy it. But they still sell goods and have sewing machines. So there's no excuse at all. See, it goes to show, sister, I'm your brother. And I'm a servant to Christ has got to answer at the judgment bar for what I say here tonight. See, you're going to stand guilty of adultery because if the love of God has leaked out of your heart, you still go to church. You might still dance in the spirit. You might still speak with tongues and them things are fine, but that's not it yet. Sir, remember the Bible said in the last days there shall come false Christ, not false Jesuses. They wouldn't stand still for that. But false Christ, false anointed ones. They're absolutely anointed with the Spirit. With the Holy Spirit and still false. See, there's two, there's three people of you. The outside is the body. You got five senses that you contact your earthly home with that. The inside is the spirit. These five senses there, love and conscience and so forth, you contact. But the inside of that is the soul. Remember, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The same rain that'll make a grain of wheat grow makes a cucklebird grow too. What is it at the inside of that seed is a nature, and that nature displays itself. It can stand in the same field right there with the weed. The weed and the wheat stand together. Rejoice just as much. It's heads down. It's starving for a drink. When the rain comes, the cuckleberg can shout this as loud as a wheat can. But by their fruits, you shall know them. Christians. I may never see you again. See, it's been years since I've been here. I may never see you again. Line up with God's word. Look in the mirror. Like a little boy one time. He'd been out in the country. He'd never seen a mirror. He come to his, his uh, uh, auntie's house. He started walking up steps. He'd seen a mirror. And he'd seen a little boy in the mirror. He kept walking up looking. And he'd wave. And a little boy would wave. And he kept looking. He'd never seen himself in a mirror. So when he got close enough to turn around, I said, Why, Mama, that's me. How do you look in God's mirror? Does it reflect a daughter or son of God? Is there something that you hear that? Does it make you hate the man that's saying it? Or is there something cool to say, I know that man's right because that's in the scripture. Then that's a vitamin that's needed for this body that's ordained to be there. A house that other one's going to need when you get there. This house, if we are born earthly. Now remember, we think so much of this body. We put so many clothes on. We do so many things that are unnecessary. Change after change after change and all these things. And, and it's just, everybody just let somebody start something. You paint your steps red and watch the Joneses paint theirs red. You change from a Chevrolet to a Ford and they just can't stand it. It's matching time. You let the you let a woman come to church certain kind of hat on. Watch all the women get that. Especially the pastor's wives. Just watch what happens. Now that is true. That is absolutely true. It's matching time. Brother. It ought to be matching time. All them, all them things is, is for a purpose. I don't care whether my coat matches my trousers. And I, I have a hard time, my wife or my daughter-in-law, somebody had to tell me what kind of attire to wear with it. I, I don't care whether they match or I want my experience to match God's Word. 
That's the thing, because that's where I aim to live, not down on the corner of the Joneses, but yonder in glory, where Jesus has gone to prepare us a place. Yes, we want that. Yes, sir. Keep from all this, this old earthly tabernacle here. You know what it is? This body is like an old coat that you wear, a coat that you once wear. But now you have one so much better, you don't use it anymore. What you do, you hang it in a closet, for you've got one better. You've got a better coat. It's more up-to-date than the one you used to wear that's worn out. What? It is that garment. You are the inside of that. That garment only done what? It bore your image. See? But you don't need it anymore now. You've hung it up. It's a rag. And that's the way this old body is. It's bore the image of the heavenly, yet it is not you. You are on the inside of that body. You, the Spirit of God, is on the inside of that body. That's what makes the outside come into subjections because the inside is pulling it. See? Bring it in line with the Word of God. Your inside, you yourself, your being, this body is just an old coat. And someday, what will you do with it? For you was, was only in the garment for a while. That is like the earthly garment, this body, your, your real body, your real self is on the inside of this old coat that you call William Branham or Susie Jones or whoever it is. See, someday it will hang in the earth's hall of memory of you. You'll put it out there in a grave and somebody will put a tombstone up and here lies Reverend so-and-so or John so-and-so or so-and-so. It'll lie there as a memorial of you. The people just seeing you in this and what you was, your real you, was on the inside of that. But the old coat itself just bore in the image of the heavenly. Old people, have you made reservations to change coats? Have you made reservations for heaven? Remember, you must have reservations. You can't get in without them. I'm talking to you in modern language now. That you know, if you go to the hotel and say, well, I had to, did you have reservations? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Everything is filled up. You're out in the cold because you failed to make reservations. And if you come to the end of your life's journey without reservations, there'll be no one there to meet you. You'll have to step off into a dark eternity where there will be screaming and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You must, you can't get into the city you, uh, because you haven't got reservation. You must have them to enter this city where Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. Remember, you must have the reservations and the garment of salvation on. You cannot. In Matthew, I've got a scripture. I'm watching scripture. Matthew 20, 22, 1 to 14. I haven't time to read it because it's getting too late. I've spoke too long to you. But remember, the king sent forth and made a supper. He killed all these oxes and, and fixed the fatlings and everything. And had a great supper prepared. And he sent out and he bid many to come. One said, well, you know, after all, I belong to this and I got this and I got to go to my farm. And one did many things. And he sent again and they evilly mistreated them. And finally, that was the Jewish generation Jesus was talking to. They had something else to do. Then finally... He sent in and said, go, just don't, just compel them. Go into the streets and highways and everywhere and compel them to come in. And after that, determined that his house was, his wedding supper was going to be set. There's going to be guests there. And then he found a man in there without the wedding garment on. 
he wanted to hold to the old coat. And look what he said, Frank, after I have invited you to my wedding supper, and I invited you and gave you an invitation to come, and if you ever was in the Orient, which I preached in there many times, that wedding supper still carried on just the way it was. The bridegroom, that all, he has so many guests that he's going to have. Probably, Brother Cobb, probably you've watched it there in India. See, they have so many guests that he's going to ask. Say, he's going to ask uh, 30 guests. Now, the bridegroom has to furnish the robes. He has to furnish them. Therefore, there's a man stands at the door, and you come up with your invitation. He examines your invitation and puts you on a garment, a robe, that some of them are rich and some of them are poor and some of them are different, but they all look alike when they get these robes on. They all look alike. And you have to all be alike. You ain't going to be saying, I'm the Methodist over here. I'm the Presbyterian over here. Oh, no. You ain't going in the first place, see. You've got to come by the door. Amen. Jesus said, I am the door to the sheepfold. I'm Pentecostal. I'm this, I'm that. That don't mean one thing. You come by that door. And if you come by that door, you get the role. And this man, when he said, how did you get in here for him? See, it showed he come up some other way and come in a window. Come in the back way, but not through the door. Not through the door. The way that Jesus came, through self-sacrifice, giving your all to God and walking to Calvary and be crucified with him and rise again to wear his garment of sacrifice and death to the things of the world. Do you love the world or the things of the world of love of God not even in you? If you still have the love of the world, want to act like the world and do like the world, you're trying, you're yet you're in the church, but a cucklebur in the patch with the wheat. Shout with the rest of them, rejoice with the rest of them. All the spiritual blessings is right upon you. You say, Well, I prophesy, so did K. Ephesus. So did Balaam. That has nothing. I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit that still has nothing to do with it. That's just only a temporal gift for you. The real gift is your soul down in there. That was born of God. And that controls the whole thing to the Word of God and the will of God. And there you grow up, see. Then you are son and daughter of God. You are a child of God. And these things that you come up, like the mother now, you're in the bowels of the earth trying to come forth. You're son of God coming forth. And you see the Word says, I should do this. I should be born again. Well, I belong to church. That don't mean one thing, see. I'm Methodist. My mother, that's good for your mother. Well, my, I'm Pentecostal. I belong, if you don't line with that Word, there's something wrong. Amen. Then you see, your real father ain't God. See? Because that real starting, your soul, before there even was a spirit, it was your soul. That soul didn't come from God. Then it wasn't a germ of God to begin. You're deceived. You're in a patch of weeds and bearing the world's record of the weeds coming forth, acting like the world, loving the world. It's because the love of God's not in you. And uh, there'll be false anointed ones in the last days. Not false Jesus. They wouldn't stand for that. But false anointed. They are anointed, yes, sir, but they're antichrist. They're anointed with the Spirit to do the signs and wonders that Christ did, but won't line up with his word. See? Many will come to me that day and say, Lord, have not I prophesied and cast out devils in your name? He said, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never even knew you. I was Pentecostal, Lord. Glory to God, I shouted, I spoke with tongues, and I laid hands on the sick and healed them, cast out devils. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. See what I mean? Oh, little children, do you feel the need of that vitamin tonight? That's something. There's a body waiting under. 
is a body waiting to be received. People, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. The devil is a deceiver. Even uh, the wedding garments, you must wear it. It must be. Now we're at the evening time. The earthly body is now ready to be dissolved and we're preparing to enter into the heavenly. And we now feel the strange call of God to go to this great Eden. And before we can be born here, our little bodies cried for something that it had to be provided or we'd be an afflicted child here if we wasn't. God has no afflictions up there. There are everyone perfectly lined up the bride just exactly like the groom was. The word manifested in its season. God grant tonight, children, each and every one of you, there is a heaven to go to. There is a hell to stay away from. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for Your love and for Your word, to know, Father, that there is no one like Thee, and to know, Father, that Thy word is truth. And we pray, Father, knowing that You've taught us that it shall come a time where the true worshippers shall worship You in spirit and in truth. So we thank Thee for the truth that You've sent in our last days. Help us, Father, to yield ourselves to Your spirit, that, Father, we may be found to be those worshippers worshipping in spirit and in truth. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. In the still of the night, a light is dawning Shining down on the darkness of my soul So many years of lonely pining Could it be the day of the Lord? The words of Jesus Burn within me Just like the songs of ancient lore Hear them blend in a spiritual medley Could it be the day of the Lord? Oh, I wait for the day when my heart shall be set free again As I wander through this barren land alone Captured by his words Is this Jesus the chosen one? How I yearn for the day of the Lord The day of the Lord
Who is this Jesus? Tell me what is his plan? He speaks with such authority for such a simple man. Does he deceive them? Is he a fake? Or should we believe him? Eternity's at stake. How the crowd so freely clamor for the prophet from Galilee. Dare I join their joyous encore? Is this the year of Jubilee? Oh, I wait for the day when my heart shall be set free again as I wander through this barren land alone. Captured by his words, is this Jesus the chosen one? How I yearn for the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. <laughs> 